Hey, what's up, guys? This is the MLB Deadline News Twitter guy, and uh, we're here today with the first podcast. And, and I don't know, we've talked about doing something like this for quite a while, and uh, today, July 4th, 2018, just happened to be the, the perfect day, I guess, to, uh, <laughs> to get it started. So first of all, happy 4th of July. Uh, more importantly, for our purposes, happy July. We're, we're in the month where everything gets crazy and uh, stuff starts to get really fun. So basically, you know, I want to give myself a minute or so here just to kind of, you know, dive into what I what I think I want to accomplish with this podcast. Um, but then also I'm going to I'm be taking your feedback, you know, via tweets from me. My Twitter again is at MLB Deadline News. Uh, tweet me feedback. Tell me if you liked it. Tell me if you hated it. Tell me why you hated it. Um, and we'll kind of alter things and, and see how the response is to to dictate, you know, what we do with with the podcast going forward. And uh, and ooh, voice crack. And uh, and how we, what direction we take. So obviously, we have to start out the podcast today with the big fish on the trade market, Manny Machado. Uh, we've got some uh, some news coming out that that have said that the Machado trade talks have accelerated. And uh, th- those two teams are the two teams that appear to be accelerating the trade talks are the D-backs and the Indians. And uh, the Indians are a team that I I had never really. Uh, considered to be a fit for Machado until I, until I saw this article. And this is a team that kind of somewhat caught me by surprise um, in their pursuit of Machado. And, and I don't know why, frankly, because uh, the fit, the Machado to the Indians fit would be great. I mean, what, what I think would happen is that they would put him at third, they would move Jose Ramirez over to second, and um, then you can do whatever you want to do with, uh, with Kipnis. You can put him in the outfield, you can just bench him. Um, you could look to move him if, if there's even a market available for him. Uh, and that'd be a really, really good direction to just strengthen the lineup. You get a really, really good defensive third baseman, um, a fit that is just perfect, really on paper that I, I can't believe I didn't even, <laughs> even consider. So if we're gonna dive into into a potential Indians uh, Orioles trade, I'm gonna pull up the Indians farm system or, or what what is uh, their top 30 prospects according to MLB Pipeline, and uh, we're gonna kind of go into. What what kind of a deal could be could be shaping or could be shape in I should say and that would make this happen. So in the spring, the or I guess really the winter early spring, the Orioles they expressed their desire. They were adamant that they wanted two young starting pitchers in return for Machado. Now obviously things have probably changed. They are terrible this year. A rebuild needs to happen. This is something that has probably needed to happen for a few years now, and. Um, you know, maybe maybe they're a little bit late to the game here with all of their expiring um, free agent deals, and, and this could be a little bit longer than they had anticipated. But uh, I still think a frontline starting pitching prospect, a potential frontline starting pitcher, um, would be the look, the goal for a headliner or somebody to headline the deal. And the Indians have that with Tristan McKenzie, right-handed pitcher down at Double A. Um, he actually was out. He was hurt, I think, for a little while at the beginning of the year with, with something with a forearm injury, which is a little bit scary, but it looks like he's pitching now. And I'm going to pull up his stats. Uh, he's got he's pitched 32 and a third innings. He's got 26 Ks to seven walks. When, when evaluating young pitchers, especially pitchers in the minor leagues, um, the big thing that I like to look at is, is K to walk ratio. It's something that... Um, it, it kind of controls what you can control. So many of the minor league locations, the ballparks are just crazy hitter friendly. That that is something that I really like to look at. That the control metrics and then the K to walk, um, more of the controllable things. Like I said, and McKenzie's got the twenty six to seven K to walk, almost you know, almost the four four to one K to walk ratio looks really good. He's got really good stuff. Sixty grade fastball and curveball, fifty five grade changeup. 
Um, he's the number 21 overall prospect in the majors. This guy's no slouch. He looks like he's going to be legit. Um, and he's got an ETA, it says, of 2019. I, I think you could bump it back to 2020, get the extra year of control. Um, by that time in two years, maybe the Orioles are a little bit more suited after this rebuild or, or the process, you know, to to start promoting guys, especially a guy like McKenzie here, um, who who had dealt with injuries as early or as, as recently as this year. But I think that Tristan McKenzie would be the headline of that deal, not not Francisco Mejia. I think the Indians, while they're kind of toying with him, I think they really view Mejia as the catcher of the future and somebody that they need to bring up. Um sooner than later to the point where he might even be untouchable. But if you're going to headline the deal with McKenzie, then you got to look at you know the secondary pieces. They've got this first baseman who's also in Dublin named Bobby Bradley who just hits the shit out of the ball. Um, I apologize. <laughs> maybe, I shouldn't, uh, maybe I shouldn't swear. But he's incredible power. Um, at the very least, he looks like he would be an above more than adequate DH, uh, somebody who would thrive in, in the AL East. Uh, I pulled up his stats too. He's a lefty, so even better for that uh, that that uh, division. And he's got 45 grade hit tool. You know, there's a lot of swing and miss in the profile. Not incredibly um, contact oriented, but 60 grade power. And uh, he looks like he's no slouch in the field at, at at the very least average, maybe a little bit below. But um, something that you know definitely could fit. He could be MLB ready as early as this year. But again, you you maybe look to to bump the clock back with a guy like him, especially with with. Uh, Chris Davis, you know, locking down first base for better for worse for the for the foreseeable future for the Orioles, but I think a package that contains McKenzie and Bobby Bradley, um, those two are good headliners for the deal. You got the future potential ace. You got a, a very good slugger for the middle of the, of the lineup, um, and then you throw in a couple wild cards. Uh, you know, further down in the system that are, you know, further ways away, but maybe you look at a guy that's got a heavy fastball, really good curveball, uh, something that you hope that they can build around and then kind of fulfill some really, really high upside. That would be, you know, a package that could that could come out of Cleveland. And that'd be a really compelling package. And, and you're going to hear here as I, as I kind of go on, I think the Indians actually, you know, as I think about it more, are one of the favorites to get Machado because they've got the prospects, they've got the need, the desire, the want. The window appears to be closing. I get the bullpen's terrible. You know, they're going to lose Andrew Miller next year, so on that front, it should even it shouldn't get better. It should probably get worse before it gets better. So it makes a lot of sense in my eyes that you know they would be in on this trade and that something like this could happen. So we're going to go into the second team here now. I'm pulling up the Diamondbacks farm system. Again, I'm using MLB Pipeline. It's just kind of a guide so we can look through things and, and you know maybe analyze potential deals here. And the D-backs have been long speculated to be in on the Machado sweepstakes. They've basically been in it since the fall of, uh, or like I guess really early winter, late fall of last year. They've been the rumors. You know, they want to bring in another rental piece that they feel like they can really just help the offense take off. That pitching staff's been pretty incredibly, um, you know, pretty spectacular, really. Uh, it's it's a relatively deep starting staff. They got Grinky, obviously. Then they got Corbin. Godley's been okay. Um, they got hit with the injury bug a little bit, but all things considered, the bullpen there looks pretty good too. Uh, the offense has been slow, though it has been heating up a little bit more. They get Pollock back today or, or yesterday. They got him back relatively recently. Goldschmidt's been red hot since gosh, since right about when everybody started to panic about him. So, but you know, Jake Lamb has been terrible at third base. I don't, I don't know where they would play him. I do not know if if Machado would come in and, and then play third, or if they would just put him at short. But um, that's a bat that would obviously help out this team a ton. You put him in there behind, even behind or in front of Goldschmidt. That's a that's a pretty deadly uh, middle of the order there. Somebody that you don't want to have to pitch to back to back. 
So the fit is obvious and, and the desire is obvious. It's been obvious for a couple you know months now at this point. Uh, so when we look into their farm system, they've got one guy that stands out that has to, at least apparently, it has to be the headliner of the deal. Uh, we do know that the Diamondbacks kind of uh, played some games and, and got a really good deal for for J.D. Martinez last year. Maybe that benefits them this year. But this year, again, it kind of looks like a buyer's market. So maybe, you know, maybe maybe everybody gets a little bit cheaper. But the headliner of their deal is is the number 60th prospect, according to MLB Pipelines. It would have to be John Duplantier. Um, he's a pitcher down at Double A for the D-backs. I'm pulling up his stats here. I, I know that this guy is a control guy. He's somebody I've actually, in my fantasy baseball dynasty leagues, I've actually been kind of keeping an eye on him. Uh, again, for the same reasons, he's he's a he's a K to walk guy. Someone I, I like to put you know faith in the control. Something that um, something that is con- obviously controllable. Anyways, as we pull up the stats here. He's with Double A. He's got a 2.52 ARA over 35 and two thirds innings, and he's got 41 Ks to 11 walks. Um, the stuff's good. He's a little bit old for the level at 23 down in Double A, but the fastball's good. He's got an above average slider and curve and an average changeup four pitch mix. Um, somebody that could, you know, foreseeably develop into, you know, maybe maybe an ace, but more likely probably a number two. Um, and that would be the headline of the deal. And then you would look, the, the D-back system is nowhere near as deep as the Indians, which is why I think if Machado, you know, if there becomes a, uh, you know, just this huge um, competition, you know, everybody's in, I can't for some reason think of the word. Oh, it's like it becomes into a bidding war, thank God. If, it, if the uh, Machado sweepstakes turn into a bidding war, I, I don't see the D-backs winning a bidding war, uh, unless they're just completely crazy and willing to give whatever it takes. Uh, I think the secondary piece would have to be Pavin Smith, first baseman for the D-backs. He's actually their second prospect, and um, he's also he's at he's at high A. Uh, he's he's a bat to ball guy, really good approach, um, good contact ability, decent power. Uh, it looks like he's adequate in the field. Again, you know maybe somebody that would be a relatively good replacement uh, in in a couple of years for Chris Davis. Um, that looks like the direction that would have to happen. And then again, those lottery tickets. Teams seem to love you get your two top end prospects and then we want lottery tickets because if you hit, then you get four top 100 prospects coming in. Um, the upside is is what drives the, the people. So then you would look again for maybe maybe a low end, a low A rookie ball pitcher, heavy fastball, really good curveball, good control, something along those lines that they think that they can mold into something. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the Orioles don't have the best track record for that, but... Hey, that's that's what I think it would take. So between those two deals, if I'm in the Orioles' shoes, if if both those deals are present again, I'm taking the Indians, which is why I kind of consider the Indians one of the front runners now at this point. The D-backs are obviously in, and they're going to be in until until he gets moved. But um, you know, those are the two teams at least that have had the the news come up recently that have accelerated the trade talks. And then we got two more teams that I think are serious contenders for Machado. One of them being the Dodgers. If you follow our Twitter, you've seen I've been all over that link for, gosh, since the spring I think, um, and especially recently here when uh, when Corey Seager went out for the year. There's the obvious need, the rental shortstop. You can keep that short. He loves playing short. He isn't the best <laughs> defensive shortstop. The metrics say at least, but. Um, He's an obvious increase in, in an add to the lineup. Somebody that would be really valuable for the for the Dodgers to add, um, and the Dodgers have the they have the prospects to make a deal here. Um, I'm pulling up their their system right now, but they've obviously got um, guys like they've got. A, I should say this: they've got a lot of pitching, 
They've got good pitching depth in the minor leagues, and they've got guys that have graduated already to the majors, like Walker Bueller. We've seen Dennis Santana, even if it was just for a start. And then, obviously, Julio Urias, who people are forgetting about. Um, those three pitchers, you couple them with, with what they've got up there. Rich Hill, he's old, but you know he's still up there. Kenta Maeda, <clears throat> excuse me, who's pitching really well. Obviously, Kershaw. They have the ability to move some of these pitching prospects. And a guy that comes to obvious mind here for me is Mitchell White, double-A pitcher. He's the number 80, 83 overall prospect in, in, the, in the MLB pipeline. He's, again, old for the level, old for double-A at 23, but um, they're almost a caper nine. He's thrown 42 and two-thirds. He's got a six ERA, you know, whatever. Um, it's tough to value... Uh, let's see, that's over an 11-start sample, only 42 innings. It's tough to value. The ERA obviously isn't pitching extremely well right now. The walks are a bit high. Um, the Ks are at 37, so it's almost a K per inning. This guy, is he's got the pedigree, you know, as a top 100 prospect, and um, he's got a really good fastball-slider combo. So at worst, you consider that maybe, maybe he winds up being a bullpen guy. But I think you start a deal with Mitchell White, I don't see them giving up Verdugo or Kybert Ruiz, who's a catcher in their system as well. Um, I think they would hold on to him, though I do think they'd be more willing to give up Verdugo than, than Ruiz. But I think the deal would be headlined with, uh, with Mitchell White, and then you'd look to also pair him with Dennis Santana, and then that deal becomes really compelling. You're getting your two top 100 pitching prospects, and then you start looking at your, at your lottery tickets that are deeper down in the system. And you know, at that point, that's a price that you, that you might be in on. Uh, Dennis Santana is a guy that we've only seen for a start. He had to pitch in Coors, and then I think he got hurt. Uh, but beforehand, he started the year at Double A again, a little bit old for what well, actually is, I guess, right on par. He's at 22. Um, started with Double A, worked his way to Triple A. The numbers were great. I was in on this guy again in, in a dynasty baseball league. Uh, the minor league numbers this year, he had a 2.54 ERA over 49 and two thirds innings, 65 Ks to to uh, 16 walks, so just over four per one or four to one K to walk. You know, well over one or well over nine K to nine. Um, guy looks legit. And if you pair both Dennis Santana with another pitching prospect with, with good pedigree and Mitchell White, that becomes a really intriguing offer for, you know, you know, what you would alternatively get if you're the Orioles for Machado being just the, the qualifying offer being turned down and then the uh, the first round pick. So, again, you you'd look for the lottery tickets. But um, I've long thought that the Dodgers would be in on it. They've got the prospects. They've got the need. Uh, they could even re-sign Machado, have him play. You know, maybe I don't even know how they would do that. I guess really with Turner, but it's it's a fit. You know, it's a fit that if if they're willing to be aggressive, they were so close to the World Series last year, and that was with Seager banged up. You know, they get the Machado bat, which is you know probably a little bit better. This, the defense is not quite as good, but you know, similar players. And it, it seems like something that that could be a good fit, and that's why I, in my in my eyes, it's the Dodgers and it's the Indians that are the two most logical fits. The D-backs are in there, and uh, they're the wild card because they could be really aggressive and and in their pursuit, and who knows what they're willing to give up. But uh, if it turns into a bidding war, it looks like the bidding war would be more between the Dodgers and the Indians than the Dodgers, Indians, and the D-backs because the D-back system's a little bit weaker. But the fourth and final team that I, I really think has a, has a shot here. Um, at bringing in Machado's the Phillies. The Phillies, they were in on him in the winter. Oh, I just messed up. I'm pulling up their system. They're in on him in the winter. They wanted the guarantee that he would resign, but he wasn't willing to give it. He wants to hit the free agent market. He wants to get paid. Um, 
But the Phillies have the prospects that they could go out and make a deal. They would probably play him at third. Um, and they've got the young players that they could move around. They could even send people down. Machado would be a good fit on that team. It's it's obvious. But where my problem lies with the Phillies is I don't think they're willing to give up the prospects to get you know the rental um, for Machado when they think that these guys are going to be up in the majors within the next couple of years and, and benefiting the team. And they've got so much money to play with this offseason. Why risk the prospects and the chance that you lose Machado when you can keep the prospects and just sign Machado, for example, uh, in the coming year? And the Phillies are an interesting case. They are another maybe wild card for the Machado sweepstakes, but they've been linked to Moustakis. They've been linked to Beltre. And the Phillies have just so much available money right now. In my eyes, what I see them doing is taking almost a salary dump from the Rangers. They could get Cole Hamels and they could get Beltre, take on all the money, and then you know have it be a relatively inexpensive prospect value um, in return deal where they don't give up too many prospects. They agree to take on the money, help the Rangers in that way, and then they kind of kill two birds with one stone in the one deal. They get a pitcher to help. I think if the Phillies get a pitcher, they can move Velasquez, who's obviously in the DL. They can move him to the bullpen, and I think he'd be fantastic there. I think you're killing two birds with one stone. Really, three birds with one stone in that circumstance. They're getting a third baseman to play, replace uh, Michael Franco, who's, you know, all in all been underwhelming. And Beltre is an obvious upgrade. You get the help in the rotation, some stability with uh, Cole Hamels, and then you get a really, really good wipeout bullpen option in Velasquez. I think that's a great deal for the Phillies, and I kind of think that's the direction that they would go and then um, just make a move from Machado this offseason. I think that makes the most sense for them, and that's kind of why I have them as a distance fourth, or a distant fourth, I should say. Uh, a lot of people are having the Brewers in on this deal too, but the Brewers have the prospects to get it done, but they should be, and what I think they're going to wind up doing is using those prospects to get another pitcher. You know, the Brewers have just this incredible bullpen. They've got a really deep offensive unit. So many outfielders, they don't know what to do with them. Um, I think that they've got some internal help coming. They've got Jimmy Nelson, who's on his way back. Uh, and I think that there will be, there'll be serious players if DeGrom is truly, you know, on the market. I think that they would be a team that could definitely go in there and, and make a compelling offer to the Mets uh, to go scoop up DeGrom or even Michael Fulmer, who would be another player that could be available that, that would obviously be uh, of benefit for them. So... I think I'm going to cut it off now. We talked Machado for almost 20 minutes. It's a 20-minute podcast. I can make it longer for the next uh, the next uh, podcast if we want to go into more topics in one in one podcast. But we can also, you know, kind of pick and choose our topics uh, per podcast if that's kind of what we what we decide that we want to do. So I'm really looking for your feedback. Oh, hoo, hoo. another voice crack. I haven't talked this much in a while. Uh, I'm looking for your feedback. That above and above uh, above all, I'm looking for your feedback. Tweet at me, at MLB Deadline News. Um, I want to hear what you guys loved, what you guys hated, uh, and what you guys want changed. Because if you guys want it to be longer, I'll make it longer. If you want it to be even shorter, you know, maybe we can condense it even more and make it even shorter. So thank you guys so much for listening. This should be up hopefully sooner than later. It says it should take about three days at the most to get it up on Apple Podcasts. But uh, that's the medium I'm targeting. Again, thank you so much. Tweet at me. Follow me on Twitter, at MLB Deadline News. And um, yeah. Have a great 4th of July or 5th of July or 6th of July or whatever of July you are listening to this. And thank you for listening. Bye.